This is the Rit Nerds Podcast, episode number five, with your host tonight, Ron Burgess Jr., Nathan Pocock, and myself, Jim Kenny. And uh, tonight, this is the COVID catch-up episode. So how you guys doing, man? It's been a while since we talked. Um, if I remember, it's been probably almost a month since uh, we've been face-to-face here on Zoom trying to uh, knock some podcasts out. Yeah, just keeping busy, trying to stay healthy. It's uh, Work has been kind of hell. Every call is a COVID call. You know, we, uh, we're one of the leading towns in the state first to have COVID, and it spread pretty rapidly throughout the town. So uh, everything got put on the good kibosh really quick. You know, training stopped, doing public safety stuff. Uh, not public safety, public events and stuff like that, you know. Um, new protocols seems like every day the uh, administ- administration was trying to, you know, wrap their head around it with EMS and figure out what protective gear we actually needed. So it was a little rough and it still is. It seems like it's still changing, but I think we finally have the whole system dialed in now for our PP and our response. That's good. What, um, man, I think my last day at work was March 18th before I started to get sick. So I've been out for over a month. Uh, I got tapped out early. So I don't know what really is going on at work. Um, I hear some stories from everybody, but uh, I don't think it's hit us very hard yet. But um, what are some of the things, Ron, that uh, you said things seem to be kind of straightening out a little bit or becoming more uh, not normal, but um, just not changing as frequently. How are, how are you guys running your responses? Well, at first we were getting every call was getting screened by dispatch and uh, it was either, you know, yes to all the questions or yes to some of the questions. And, you know, it basically helped determine our level of PPE needed. Um, So the hard part there is people didn't know, you know, you call for difficulty breathing because you have pneumonia or you're actually having trouble breathing and it's getting answered as a positive COVID call. So now you're full, you know, gown, goggles, uh, booties, gloves, N95, you know, so they're, they're finally weeding through the calls and asking pertinent questions to really help us, you know, determine our level of PPE. Um, The hardest part for me was, you know, going to the scenes and like, making asking questions from a distance and like not saying rushing in but you know not making that initial patient contact if there was somebody else at the home um the first call i got when this kind of blew up for us was a three-day-old difficulty breathing so you know i mean right out the door we're already moving you know and it's like i'm trying to ask the questions as we're running into the house to take care of this infant so Luckily, the infant was okay, but, you know, just stuff like that. You're trying to mentally fight yourself. You're like, you know, this is an infant having trouble breathing. What do I do? Like, am I staging outside and and, and waiting for EMS? But I can't do that mentally, you know, or morally. So it's like I'm putting the best PPE on I can, go in, try to do the best I can for the patient. So, but it, it, it definitely has gotten better. It's gotten smoother. EMS has gotten more routine um, with their setups. So working hand in hand um, with them, 
really worked out pretty well. That's good. I um <clears throat> I forget sometimes the systems that I work in. Well, the system I work in and the one I volunteer in, everybody is in, you know, EMS and fire are all the same. So it's what I forget when I think about it that um, you know, fire at a lot of places is not the same as EMS. So you guys may be getting there way ahead of the game and then absolutely decisions. Um, yeah, it's uh, I know I've heard some stories from work where uh, people were um, basically lying to dispatch or the call takers when they were asking those questions because they were scared that 911 wouldn't send EMS to them because they were pace, uh, positive or had symptoms. So uh, we had guys that were running CPRs that were all of a sudden at, you know, their knee neck deep in it with normal CPR PPE on. And then they find out 10 minutes later that this person had uh, symptoms, positive, not positive case per se, but had symptoms of COVID and they're not wearing the right PPE because we were trying to only use it for cases that we knew of so that you're not wasting it. Um, everyone says that it seems to be same as you, uh, kind of straightening itself out. Things are getting a little smoother, but how's things up with you, Nathan? I, I know you've been sending us some, some messages about, uh, going to a bunch of fires lately too. Yeah. Our, 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 it, I mean, like everybody, it, it, it hasn't hit us uh, to the same uh, generally as, as, as the city and province. Um, and I think generally as a country, we haven't gotten hit the same as the Eastern Seabark down there. Um, <clears throat> we flattened the curve that fucking, I hate fan words or catchphrases, but yeah. But we seem to have really slowed down with new cases and everything like that. They they seem to mostly be like old folks homes and stuff, which is one place you don't want it. Um, where it hit, I mean, we've got a massive homeless thing in this city uh, situation going on, which which has been a big worry for a long time because there's massive tent cities um, that are just pretty much completely unchecked. Because um, how do you? So it, if it gets into there, um, it's, it's wildfire, right? So states of emergency, both citywide and provincial, province-wide and everything have all been declared and all that stuff. So they have the right to take over hotels. Some community centers are being taken over to try and give shelter and spread some of the, those high-risk groups out and stuff like that. As for work, we run, we run different systems here too our ambulance is actually a provincial service but fire is municipal service so it gets real confusing real fast especially when you get to the politics it's two different unions as well and uh, they don't always see eye to eye unfortunately um but so we uh the one of the first things they did was they pretty much stopped us from going to most medical calls to lower risk so we're only going to what they call it purple calls which are pretty much your cardiacs um but we recently got red calls back because overdose deaths also spiked the minute they did that so we're dealing with an overdose crisis for years now so 
when they did that, we saw a spike in that. So we finally got, as of 11 p.m. last night, uh, overdose calls back. Um, we're going from there. We switched schedules. We were on 10-hour days, 14-hour nights, 96 hours off. Now we're on 24s um, to limit crew activities. The shift stuff at Hall has completely changed. Now you, we used to have soft starts. We kind of came in at 6.30 in the morning. You'd sort of putt around, hang out with the off-going crew, have a coffee, 7 o'clock to your rig checks, and then sort of sort everything out for the day, and then haul clean up at 8.30. Now it's you come in at 7.50, the other crew leaves right away, you get to your uniform instantly, and then start de decontaminating everything from pretty much the shingles on the roof to the bottoms of your shoes, it seems. <laughs> but, and nothing else can happen to us done. Training's done. Inspections are done. Um, we can train in-house, which we have been. My crew's been good about that. We've been getting two to three drills in shift when we can. But yeah, we've noticed. Uh, yeah, the last, the last, but yesterday was actually not too crazy of a shift. We didn't have any fires last 24. I just got off of. But we've had the city in general's had a six percent increase in structure fires, twenty percent increase in outdoor fires. And then police is saying breaking and entries are now spiking pretty hard. Um, yeah, it's so it's changed changed a lot for us around here. I, there's not any confirmed cases of our members yet. We had one admin worker get confirmed, um, but that admin worker had a family member in one of the homes, one of the nursing homes that that had it. So our staffing seems to be fine that way. We we were all prepped and we brought our prevention workers back into the hall and everything ready to lose a bunch of staff like crazy and be running potentially down to a three platoon instead of a four platoon system and all that, which we're still in place for. But so far we're actually fine that way. Nobody seems to have gotten it. We're full PP for everything now, which is Tyvek suits, goggles, face pieces, face masks, and gloves for any cardiacs or anything like that. We get wow. off the rig like that now. Do uh, your Tyvek suits, they're normally the ones you toss afterwards, right? Are you guys still tossing them or are you deconning them? It is all based on contact. So, I mean, I've been away from work for the last, what, 10 hours? So there's probably about 15 new SOGs out in that last 10 hours. <laughs> yeah. That seems to be how it works. But, yeah. Um, like Ron says, the hardest part is you're so used to, I mean, one of the things we do is patient comfort, right? You want to get in and, and hold the person's hand and, and take the pulse and have that chat and be human, right? Right. But uh, now we're sending one guy in in full gear from 20 feet away to have a conversation and uh, maybe go and do those things if they're dying. But if they're not, then... We don't get any closer than that, right? And we'll leave everybody else out. And so if you don't get in contact, we reuse those suits. Okay. Yeah. Same it's pretty of, much with us. Yeah, it's meant to be your discretion, right? If you end up doing full CPR or it's an OD or any of that stuff, then the suit's gonna get tossed. But because of the limited stuff, we're uh, we're gauging on you it's up to you essentially to gauge whether you could have contaminant on you whether uh, or not, gotcha. right? So you're to restrict as much chance of you getting contaminant on you as possible and then go. I mean, we're trying to change other things. I mean, you still got to do your alarm bells and everything else. Yeah. 
Um, so like, what do you do there, right? You're not wearing a Tyvek suit and everything for that. Yeah. I mean, I wear rubber gloves now when I go on alarm bells calls. I know some guys are wearing N95s. I'm out on that because I've been to enough alarm bells that turn into fires. I don't need another thing I got to do. But uh, I'm wearing rubber gloves to go through now as you're opening all the doors in the apartment and everything and doing the alarm panel. Chuck those off and wash my hands or whatever before I start taking my packing mat off at the rig. But Yeah. The last last shift we or two shifts ago we had a fire and uh, the first crew in, the guy was wearing goggles N95, you know, like our normal thing because it was a it was a psych facility, like um, kind of like an assisted living, and uh, mm. uh, the sprinklers kept the fire in check. And he walked in, he said sprinklers were coming down, knocked the goggles off his face, N95 was saturated, so he went straight to masking up, you know, as soon as he found out there was an active fire, so. You know, it definitely delayed some response in that, that means, but it's a new, it's a whole new concept to like, just take in and, and understand uh, mentally, yeah. like, like you, th- you think about it, you're like, oh yeah, I'm just putting my 95 on, put some gloves on and goggles. And it's like, if this is, if we're going to work, you know, we're popping doors and all of a sudden we come in the smoke, it's a yeah. whole other ball game. So and yeah, that's still our primary job and yeah. Fire's going to kill you before that does. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, the hardest thing is, you know, our administration is, is leaning heavily on us to do the right thing and they're trying to prepare us to do the right thing. And and it's an adaption we have to work with. And I think the guys are overall taking it a good, taking a good stance to it because, you know, like anything in the fire service, there's always resistance before there's acceptance. So, um, but it's been better than I thought. It just took a couple of weeks to catch up. Yeah, there was a definite need for education that uh, we definitely felt the growing pains of. It didn't help yeah. that, like I said, new information was coming out every 10 seconds, it felt like. Right. But, yeah. Uh, but just getting guys comfortable with it too, like understanding that it's a fluid borne thing, it's not airborne. This is like this is your proper things, and, right? So when you say it's fluid borne and not airborne, you mean it's airborne in droplets? It's in fluid. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's not floating around in the air. You're not breathing it like pollen come come from a tree. It's got to so be. I um, I'll be so. Like I said, I've been out since March 18th. That was my last day at work. And um, <clears throat> for the first three weeks that I was out, I was between the news, which gets old because it's the same stories over and over again, and then just surfing the internet for actual medical journal articles and stuff. I was staying pretty on top of it for those three weeks. But um, since uh, pretty much the day we brought our son home from the hospital, um, I have barely checked the news just because life at home right now is between a newborn and a two-year-old is uh sleep whenever anyone else is sleeping and whenever you can find, you know, quiet away from some, all the noise. Right. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of the things I was hearing, Nathan, was that, um, and this was maybe a week ago. So if, if there's new stuff out there, I, I haven't seen it yet. Um, but they're saying that it could still stay in the air, like 
they're saying it's in the droplets, but um, there was a, a scientist, doctor, I can't remember, but he's saying that it, it's an aerosol. So, um, yes, it's in heavier droplets, but like the aerosol will stay like your, your perfume, right? If you spray perfume in the air, that's an aerosol. And mm -hmm. you can walk through that mist, you know, 10 seconds after someone sprayed it, when you walk in and smell it, that's you walking through that mist that's still in the air. So I don't know. It, 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 so yes, it's not airborne in the sense of, of strictly being airborne, but it's, uh, it's just crazy times because the only knowledge we're getting is over time, you know, yes, every, like right. you guys said, and I, I feel for you guys, cause at least for me, while we have a lot of, you know, crazy things going on in our household, um, I don't have to deal with work right now. So I don't have to deal with the changing SOPs and uh, informational bulletins and whatever comes out every, every hour on the hour on the new procedure. And if you miss the email, then you're, you're not following the right procedure for the day and, and all that. So it, in one aspect, it's been really crazy at home between uh, actually having had it and then um, bringing our, our son into the world while we had it in the household. Um, but uh, on the other aspect, it's been nice to be able to say like family first, I love my job, but uh, it's been nice to be able to stay home at this point and deal with making sure that the family's uh, staying, you know, getting back to being healthy and, and staying healthy from here and not have to be keeping current with everything at work for sure well i mean that's why my parents my family's where they are right and they minute school was canceled and everything like that i mean my kids weren't going back to school because before they did all the travel bans they went out to grandma and granddad's and they that's got cool. three acres of land in the middle of nowhere where there's only 50 people in the entire town and they're surrounded by logging roads and beach and rivers and lakes and caught a couple of trout last week and building tree forts and i love the pictures you put up man they're uh it looks pretty cool up there yeah Someday, it looks like you guys are having a good time yeah it's a good spot. good spot i'm i'm jealous when i see you guys uh fishing and hiking and stuff like right out of the backyard i'm i'm pretty jealous that's yeah it's, yeah we got a gorgeous trail literally two minutes up the road from my house and oh yeah yeah, there's only so much parking, so if you get there, you get there, you know, type deal. Yeah. But, yep. like, if you see one person on your whole hike for an hour or two, it'd be be pretty hard-pressed, you know? That's cool. So it's it's really nice to have that right down the street to take the dog out or the kids out. Nice. Um, No good fishing, though, like Nathan's got. <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine trying to do that at home right now. I mean, I – I don't know what we'd do with the kids. My backyard here in the city is only, geez, I got a couple of raised vegetable patches and a dining room table and a, and a barbecue. I mean, but we, my backyard also backs on to 10 acres of city park. Oh, but nice. That city park is closed. So, yeah. <laughs> right. So, if they're at home, all I've got is the backyard right now. Yeah. And I don't know how I'd manage the two of them in a backyard right now. <laughs> it's, it, it's, I, could, I don't know how we'd entertain them here. 
we, I, I'm, I don't know how people are doing it. I know our, our friends nearby are going absolutely crazy with uh, trying to find stuff to do with the kids. Yeah. The hard part for me is honestly the kids homeschooling and stuff, you know, um, the way I've learned, like, especially math compared to what they've learned now, it's like, mm-hmm. I'm like, just divide it and multiply it, you know, and like, <laughs> and they're like, no, that's not how you do it. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> so that, that's been an uphill battle. This um, is your chance, Ron. This is your chance to say, yeah. screw the new way. I'm a, I learned exactly. it the old way. <laughs> I'm just fine. And I'm going to show you, this is the, this is the way we're going to do this at dad's home. Yeah. Bust <laughs> out your abacus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But I mean, I feel bad for the kids because they can't see their friends, you know, um, yeah. that's one of the things I think that's bothering them. They're not having that social interaction all day. And, you know, we go outside, we, you know, ride the quads and the dirt bikes and, you know, play baseball and it's not warm enough to swim here yet, but, <laughs> you know, they just, I think they just miss that interaction, even though they don't, they don't think about it like us adults do. So, yeah, it's my uh, kids. It definitely some days feels like Groundhog Day because there's yeah. not a lot of change. Um, yeah, there's not. I'm I'm glad uh, that uh, our kids are just so young that one they're they're not going to remember this if everything ends up going back to normal like we expect and hope it will in the next couple months. Um, they won't remember it. They'll only hear us tell stories of it. Right. And, um, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, teaching. It's just normal stuff. It's just uh, the two-year-old, you know, try and uh, keep her entertained, make sure she doesn't hurt herself. And, uh, you know, That's what my wife says about me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, same. You know, now is not a good time to be in the ER. But Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's just you know, a trip to the grocery store. I went to the grocery store last week for the first time. Well, shit for the first time in probably three weeks. Cause, uh, once my, once my symptoms kicked up and I was pretty sure that I had COVID, um, I didn't go anywhere. And then, uh, once we got tested, they told us like, you're not allowed to go anywhere. Like, okay, cool. Awesome. You know, but it's not like the cops are circling the streets, making sure you stay in your house, but to be respectful of everybody you're like no i'm not i'm not going anywhere um and then once it came back positive then you're like well when can i go somewhere and they're like well when you know thankfully i think on like day five four or five of me having it symptoms um i started writing down every day basically charting my own symptoms every day and then my wife um she were pretty sure that she had it before I did because her, her symptoms were worst uh, like two days before I even felt anything. And then her symptoms were gone within a few days. And see, I got it. I, my first symptoms were on the 18th of March. And then uh, a week later, we went and got tested and her test came back negative. Um, and we think that that either one, it's a false negative, which we're hearing there's like a 20% chance that it's a false, excuse me, false negative, or she hadn't had symptoms for three or four days. So there's a chance that she had cleared it and she was healthy again and just came up negative. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so anyways, I hadn't been to the grocery store. Finally, uh, after, you know, talking to different people, the health department called me a bunch of times and the different doctors between the OBGYN she had and the hospital and the pediatrician and my doctors, like when I feel better, when can I start doing things like, well, and their, their own timelines and the CDC's timelines are just like, Oh, 72 hours after your fever and seven to 14 days after your symptoms started. I'm like, I'm on week number four and I haven't had a fever since week number one, but my cough, my cough got much better, but I still had a cough for a couple of days that wouldn't go away, but it felt like a different cough. Instead of being like down in my chest, it felt like it was one of those throat coughs. Um, yep. But they're like, yeah, yeah, well, you're still coughing. So I wouldn't go anywhere. Like, okay. So waited a couple more days and, uh, but the grocery store was just, one, it was cool to get out of the house again. And two is, is I never thought I'd see the day where you're waiting outside the grocery store. Everybody has a mask on and you're 10 feet from each other. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. It, it, in our neighborhood, it's been pretty normal in the neighborhood. You know, people are out going for walks. They keep their distance from everybody. But if you just were walking through our neighborhood right now, you would have no feeling or sensation that the world is like the way it is right now but right yeah yeah I, um uh and thank god for technology not only do we get to sit here and uh do our podcasts and actually see each other through zoom but um i got to watch uh my son being born over facetime because i wasn't allowed yeah. in the hospital so Oh, that's one, awesome. One thirty in the morning two weeks ago, um, my wife and I were FaceTiming, you know, through the through the delivery, which was which was interesting. It was weird to uh, a half an hour after he was born at two o'clock in the morning while she's getting carted off into the recovery room with, with him. And I turn the lights off and go to bed. <laughs> and uh, I was telling her, I was like, you're never going to let me live this down ever. Yeah. Whatever argument we have is always going to come back to you weren't even there. Yeah. Right. Yep. I wasn't. Yeah. Yep. The hospital was really cool though. They, they, um, they said that they were pretty slow for anything COVID. Um, but they actually put an extra nurse in the delivery room with my wife just to hold the iPad. So that was wow. really cool. Yeah, it was, they were, they were great. They took really good care of her. And um, we, I kind of figured that it was going to go that way. Um, Cause he was due March 31st and he was born April 8th. So it's like three weeks after my symptoms started. So my wife and I thankfully had a lot of time to sit down and talk and go through the different scenarios, which are really was only two or three. One, they either were going to let me in or they weren't, you know? And then if they weren't going to let me in, would they let in uh, friends? Um, because our family is so far away and everyone's not only on lockdown, but they just feel, you know, no one wants to travel. No one wants to be away from their home while they want to be yeah. here to help us. They also, we also told both of our parents like, stay, stay away. We don't, we want you, yeah. here, but please don't come. Um, yeah, exactly. 
so uh, my wife had uh, two of her closest friends, um, both were like, look, we'll either come to the house and take care of your daughter while you're at the hospital, or we'll go to the hospital with you. And that was two weeks before um, he was born. And it just so has it that as we were getting closer and closer, it was actually the day he was born um, or the day before, because he was born in the morning. Um, both of those uh, friends, Terry's friends, they both were like, look, we just, we really feel uncomfortable being in the hospital at, at the, because of, you know, we, they, the hospital couldn't tell us how things were going to go. They didn't know if they were going to put Terry in a room that was basically a positive section of the uh, maternity section because they thought I had it and or are they going to put her in the negative? And if they put her in the positive, then her friends are there. They, right. um, and uh, they were, they were both very upset about it because they wanted to be there for her. But mm-hmm. um, we're like, look, you know, what we're doing right now is we have to make decisions that are best for our families and you have to do the same for you and your family. And we thankfully had the time to sit down and talk for a couple of days and weeks prior to like, look, Worst case scenario, you're going to be in there by yourself. So let's get you prepared for that. And if you're prepared for that, whatever else happens. Um, I'll fluff my pillow. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, me and me and my daughter, uh, Tess, we're, we're at home and quiet time for a day and a half and then phew, go pick them up and bring home bring home the newborn and, and, and the wife and off to the races of sleep when you can. Yeah. You know, it goes by quick. So <laughs> yeah, you're right. The first two weeks, man, I've already gone by real fast and we seem to be in somewhat of a schedule. So that's good. It's cause you're so sleep deprived. You have no clue what's going on. <laughs> that, uh, yeah. Well, you two, you guys both know you've been there twice each, right? You yeah. each have two yeah. kids. Well, yep. I was one and done, so I got oh, twins yeah. on the first shot. So. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'd rather have two at once or one two times. Well, the way me and my wife and I looked at it, um, we didn't know any different. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it's not That's like true. we had one and like, oh, we could compare this to that. Yeah. So we're just, you know, you know, I, not that my wife listens to the podcast or anything, but she was a badass during that whole like first year. Yeah. <laughs> like I had no clue what I was doing, you know. She took the reins and kinda took care of everything and it straightened it all out. So Yeah, I, I gotta give my wife props too, because the first uh four or five days that we she was home with, with Jack, um I wasn't I wasn't picking him up. I wasn't even near him. So she is was all hours of the day was on you know jack duty which was crazy and then the next uh like i think on day four or five we finally all felt comfortable enough that i could pick him up with an n95 on and uh thankfully i went to the the trailer i have with all my training stuff in it and i had a couple uh boxes of n95s for when we do uh, training with uh, theatrical smoke to try and you know filter some of that out and uh, <clears throat> brought those home and um, had those staged around the house so I could just you know wake <laughs> up at two in the morning grab one off the nightstand and then there's also some downstairs and then uh, 
couple of days of that. And now we're actually settled into like, all right, I got him. You go take, you go to sleep, go to sleep for a couple hours. I got him while he's crying. But the first four or five days I couldn't do that. So she was, she was a trooper, man. She, she did a great job. I'm surprised they haven't called you into the lab to see if your boy's got antibodies through. Dude, we have been pushing all of our doctors to get that test and no one, they're all like, well, we don't know where to get it or how to get it. Or like, ah, we want it. One, we want to know. Yeah. Two, this is a chance for you guys to see as doctors, like it either crossed through uh, the, you know, the placenta or it crossed through in breast milk, one or the other. So if they had tested him the night he was born or the morning he was born, we would have known, you know, if it came through that way or not. But um, yeah, I don't know. Um, work, my, my work has offered to, to test me and uh, they did offer, and I, I don't know if uh, we're going to wait another week, but they said that if we can't find um, any place else, that there's a chance that they may test the whole family. So we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I'm it's pretty sure. Interesting. Sorry, Jim. Go ahead. No, you're good. Now, I'm pretty sure I had this back in like late December, early January. Um, all the same symptoms, high fever, you know, the cough. but. It, it lasted a couple of days, but then the fatigue lasted like three, four weeks. Yeah. Um, and they're like, Oh, you probably have the flu again. Yeah. So, and <laughs> you know, it's like, all right. So, yep. you know, I, I almost want to get tested to see if like I have Antibody. antibodies to it, you know? Yeah. I mean, at least it would give you a little bit of, not that you would not want it. You'd still want to use all your PPE and stuff on calls. But, Absolutely, um, it would give you a little bit of that uh, sense of okay, I've already had it, uh, and hopefully the immunity is going to last at least a couple months. You know, right? Um, and that's the the crazy part is, um, and you know why I think so many people are just not losing it, but just um, no one has those answers, you know, for, for our entire lives, for the three of us, almost every, you know, disease we've had to deal with, there were knowns and unknowns because they've been around for so long. Um, and at least we knew what we didn't know and we knew what we knew for this. We don't know. We don't know what we don't know because we haven't seen it play out for more than four or five months now. Um, and that's the, the weird part. We had the same thing. We had a bad flu. Everyone was just calling a bad flu. Come through our whole neighborhood. Went through the school, of course, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone had it, and my my kids got it. But just like you're saying, Ron, like it followed all the symptoms. Like my kids had it for like hardly any time at all. They had like high fever for 24 to 36 hours, and they were like one and done. Then my wife got it, and that is the sickest I have ever seen her in terms of fatigue. She was falling asleep midday for four hours. And, like, it lasted, like, three, four weeks of her just being, like, zero energy. Yeah. And and it was like, I've never seen her get hit like that. But everyone around was like, it. one of our friends developed pneumonia from it. And 
and all that stuff, but it was right before COVID sort of came out. Yeah. And we're, we're a massive port and airport between Asia and Canada, where we are the one-stop shop to get to and from. So you'd think we'd be one of the first ones to get it. So, I mean, I'm the same as you. I'm like, well, if it's already been through the family. It was a weird one, though. Like, I, I didn't get sick, which was interesting. But, I mean, <clears throat> I, there's a real high chance that both of you guys already had it in the house, you know? For us, yeah. I had it for a month, and my wife had it for four days. And mm. she had a sore throat and a cough. I had what you guys have both explained, you know? I went from a sore throat and a cough to the most intense sinus pain and pressure I've ever had where my yep. teeth hurt, like just moving my head side to side, my teeth and eyeballs wanted to pop out of their, their places. And then today's of um, like two weeks in, I, all I could do is lay around. I wanted to get up and do stuff, but I, I just, every time I'd get up, I'd get dizzy. And then I, even just vacuuming the living room, I would have to lay down afterwards. And yeah. I, I didn't have like that shortness of breath everyone talked about unless I really went out and do, did something. Like I remember, Ron, me and you were actually talking on the phone one day when I was walking my daughter, uh, pushing the stroller. And that was when, that was the first day I noticed shortness of breath. And it was because I was pushing a stroller up a hill. But I was like, man, I've never had to stop at the top of this little hill to catch my breath <laughs> while we've been on this walk a hundred times before. And it just, it got worse uh, over that. And um, I could feel the wheezing in my lungs. It's hard to explain, but it was deep in my lungs and I could feel like on the, the end of your exhalation or the beginning of your inhalation is where I would feel the wheezing. So if yep. I kept my breast to like the middle range of your, of your in, intake and exhale, um, I could keep from wheezing. But 10 to 12 times a day, I would have a coughing fit where it would take me to my knees for a couple of days where just like, you just, you couldn't catch your breath during that coughing fit. But hmm. it, um, it wasn't, you know, if, if it wasn't this unknown thing, I wouldn't have thought too much about it other than it wasn't going away. Um, what was always on my mind, though, was hearing those stories of people that were like, oh, they were fine, they were fine, and then the next day they woke up, you know, they woke up dead, right? Their right. Uh, wife or husband found them dead in bed, and they said they were fine the, the day before. Um, the scariest part for me was... Uh, the night that um, my daughter started coughing in the middle of the night and it sounded like a horrible cough, like had to go in there. She wasn't going back to sleep and basically had to get in the rocking chair with her on my chest and keep her upright so that she could breathe without coughing and let her fall asleep. And we, we were laid in that rocking chair for like maybe two or three hours. And I'll tell you what, man, um, I guess that's, you know, parenthood seeping. And that was the first time I really felt that, uh, like, man, I would pay a thousand dollars right now for a pulse ox and a stethoscope, <laughs> just <Yeah. laughs> hook it up to her and see how she was doing. Um, and the next day, you know, it sounds stupid. I I've had a stethoscope in the house 
before, but I don't have one anymore. Next day I bought one on Amazon and then uh, I bought a, a finger pulse oximeter, but they're so back ordered. It still hasn't shown up. Yeah. I, I'm a person that could work up from sun up to sundown all damn day. Like I don't stop for lunch. Most times there was one day I was folding the laundry and I, I had to lay down and take a nap. Like <laughs> I was like, what just happened? Even my wife, she's like, you're not, you're not good. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I did laundry. That was it. That's crazy. Well, I'm life glad. Is, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Life is slowly getting back together. You know, we're just yeah. adapting with the kids and, and, uh, I think they're excited to, you know, figure out if we're going on vacation this summer, you know? Yeah. So, you know, we try to talk about that and keep their heads out of the, the whole, because they know what's going on. They understand it at, you know, age 11, but. Oh, yeah. yeah. My kids just, at seven and five, they don't, they're almost, it's almost the worst. They, they understand it, but they don't understand it at all. Mm-hmm. They, they hear grandma worrying like crazy and they realize that they can't go to school and they're not allowed to see their friends and they're not allowed to do this. They're not allowed to do that. But they have no grasp or concept of what's really going on. Right. But they're very aware just the big picture. Right. It's kind of, yeah, that's, that's the weirdest part. Right. And, and like you say, the unknowns is like, well, we go on a camping trip to the same place up Island uh, every July. Well, is that still going to happen? Probably won't know until mid June. Right. Like we had a big, uh, yeah we had a big family vacation for my wife's extended family and that's it's a big family there her mom is one of 10 kids so that whole family wow uh there's over a hundred of is like 130 people if you you go from her grandparents down to the great grandkids now um but we had we have a camp rented up in uh oh in maine somewhere um in August or nice. end of July and everybody's looking forward to it. And I, we're just hoping that we can still, still do it. Um, yeah, it was a, it was like a main house with like six different houses on the property and it's nothing cool. fancy by any means. It's not like you're, you're living in nice houses, but um, it just, it was going to be cool to be up there in the summer on a lake uh, with the whole family, but not all crunched into like one small space right and uh hopefully it'll still kick off and we'll still be able to get up there well to talk to him when it gets closer because we usually do a main trip uh end of july yeah yeah Yeah. i'll um i'll shoot you the dates and uh we can figure out yeah how far away time wise and distance wise (laughs) we come out to jordan river you can triple the population with your family (laughs) Someday, man. Someday we'll make it out to you. It's so far, so fucking far away. Nathan, I told my wife about coming out to teach with you, right? And yeah. she's like, oh, we're in Canada, is he? And I told her, and she's like, that's the other side. <laughs> she's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. I was like, so that's a no? She's like, uh, I don't know. She's like, not only she she's like, not only is it the other side, it's the wrong side for you to be traveling to in the next few months. Uh yeah. You're gonna show her pictures of the palm trees, obviously. 
Photoshop. I did. I did. She said it was bullshit. <laughs> I love it. Was it Jake Hoffman posted that uh, commented on there? Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh man. We um speaking of Jake, I talked to him. I listened to his podcast on multiple calls today. And uh nice. I sent him a message. I'm like, man, that's some good stuff. And uh, I've been talking with him. I want to get him on with us um sometime in the next uh two months so hopefully that'll happen he seems like a real uh real cool dude i just texted tim anderson tim anderson as we were starting this up and he's a game to come on so cool Cool. we'll get him on there get our scheduling game from his name's price craig price is the guy that you've got labeled as nathan's friend's dad but Oh, from, uh, yeah, from the stuff yeah. you were telling us about. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be really, really interesting to hear from him, too. It'd be kind of cool to get the story, too, from the two of them, because one was on the actual RIT team, and the other was the IC at the same call. So Yeah, it would definitely – that would be a good uh, – I'm, sh- I'm sure that would be a long episode, but that would be a good one to get both of them on. So, yeah, hear from both sides of the fence of the same incident. Well, you remember those pictures of the pool May Day? Yep. Yeah same same departments really really interesting yeah yeah huh. cool well i think uh we're coming up on about an hour here so i think that's probably about as much as our audience wants to hear us talk about <laughs> things not writ related right now but um it was good uh good catching up with you guys i'm glad uh your families are healthy and well now if they had it that you guys moved through it and um if not you're staying healthy and you know work's not work's work you know but it's it's good and uh yeah the least listened to episode we've had (laughs) (laughs) could be you know they it's don't right. know they won't know if they get this far in then uh thank you guys for listening all the way through this one while we caught up seriously and, and actually uh got to catch up with each other for an hour here but um yeah i think i that's, tell everybody i tell everybody we're amateurs nathan has to use uh clothesline hangers up up in uh, the north there to get signal for his internet so I wouldn't doubt that. No, someday. that's just to get the speaker to work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Cool. Well, you got to um, climb that palm tree higher to get it yeah. up there. <laughs> I didn't think so palm coconuts, trees were that tall. Coconuts get too big, they start blocking the signal. <laughs> I still say Photoshop. It's all Photoshop. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, on that note, guys, I think uh, this is a good place to end uh, episode five. So, fellas, good seeing you. Have uh, have a good night. Likewise. See you later.